Hello everybody, welcome back to the Farscape Rewatch podcast. We're up to season 3, episode 17. I am Karma Hats, and with me as always is Red Nightmare. Or am I? Or is he? Who's really here in this place? It's hard to tell. No. (laughs) You'll see why we make that joke. Yes. A bit. So yeah, we are back, of course, for episode 17, as I said. The choice following on from, well, last week we had Revenging Angel. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. This is, I mean, straight up, this is a good episode. It's not so much wacky fun, though. Uh, no. <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> uh, we are, and in fact, we are switching back to the crew of Talon and catching up with... Basically, the aftermath of Infinite Possibilities, where yeah. the Crichton aboard Talon sacrificed himself. Yeah, Talon John is dead, and mm. now what is basically uh, what this episode yeah. What's goes the into. Format? I always like it when they <laughs> jump into those types of questions. And we start out with uh, previously on Farscape that goes back to uh, everything that happened with Zalak's son. And, uh, and I'm seeing this, and I'm like... Oh, intriguing. Please, yeah. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> and there's bits of, again, bits of Crichton from Infinite Possibilities where he sacrifices himself. That's all in there because, well, I mean, like we said, a hell of a lot has happened to the crew of Talon. The crew of Moyers got off fairly easy. They've been cartoon characters for an episode. I mean, two of them I have. mean, it was when John was possibly dying, but yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the only episode where some <laughs> things happened, really. You... No, I, I was about to say, I think the most interesting thing that happened on Moya was that some of them were cartoon characters for a bit, but that's not entirely true. Yeah. Crash and Snip was very good. That's true, actually, yes. But it's. I think it's fair to say Talon's crew has had the richer story to go with. Yes. So we get flashbacks to all that good stuff and we're like alright okay and then now on Farscape and we start out in a big open foyer that's run down it's covered in graffiti there's people, aliens walking around inside in rags in like hoods you know dirty and beaten down and it's not a good place but in the middle of it highlighted in a spotlight is Crichton just kind of standing there. When I saw this, I was like, oh, so this is purgatory. <laughs> yeah, actually. Everybody's just... like, oh, I need to need to hurry up, need to get to the red circle of hell where I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm, that's interesting, actually. Yes, that could fit with a few themes in this episode. Mm-hmm. But Crichton, we see a close-up on his face, and he's sort of sweating or wet and dripping. He's, he's wet, and it never gets explained, and it's weird. Well, no, because obviously he's not actually there uh, no. because we see somebody else in a hood walk past him and look glance at him but it's mm. it's Aaron. yeah as she walks past him turns around he's not there she also gets accosted by a man with bleeding eyes mm. no seriously bleeding eyes yeah he's got makeup around his eyes so there's blood coming out of it like dried on his face and uh, he basically says i can help you speak to the one you've lost Come, come with me. I will. I can help you. It's like no, go away. And like, yeah, Aaron pulls a knife on him and just and he backs down. And mm-hmm. we see Aaron's wearing a hood, and we see like bags under her eyes, and they're red. And yeah, she's not looking in a good way. No. We then go to Talon, where Crace and Stark are arguing, and well, Crace, Stark, and Rigel are arguing. That's refreshing for a change. They're <laughs> arguing. 
Yeah, well, Chris blames Stark er for Eren being stuck on, well, for being on that planet, which is called mm -hmm. Valdon. She's been down there for a while. They haven't been able to contact her. He basically blames Stark for filling Eren's head with hocus pocus lies about spirit mediums and stuff like that. And it's like, they're not hocus pocus lies, they're real. It's actually how things happen. <laughs> and Stark says, look, look, Eren wants to talk to, you know, she'll want our help and she wants me a little bit. It's a bit of an odd thing. Yeah. He, at some point, he, he's basically like, his word choice is rather creepy at times. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, he's, I, I'll help her. I want to help her. You know, she wants yeah. me to help her. She wants me to keep you, uh, keep her away from people like you, yeah. pointing at Grace. And then Rigel butts in and says, look, shut up, both of you. <laughs> yeah. It's like she said she didn't want anything to do with any of us. Maybe we should just give her some time alone, is basically what it comes down to. But then Stark says, look, Valdon is filled with mystics and frauds. And Aaron's <laughs> probably gone down there to talk to Crichton. My mystics and criminals, to which criminals, Rigel responds, right, yes. well, that's... The exact same thing is up here. We're criminals and you're a mystic. <laughs> so let's just leave her alone. But Stark really wants to go and get Eren out of there. He thinks she's in a dangerous place. And from what we've seen, it's a run-down hotel or big, yeah, hotel that she's in. So then we go down to the planet to catch up with Eren. Mm -hmm. And we basically are in, I love, I really like this set actually the, mm, where mm -hmm. we are just Erin's room in this hotel but we come in from outside and she's sat on the windowsill there's like a small little balcony outside it's very Blade Runner yeah this whole thing it's clearly inspired by Blade Runner and it works beautifully for what they're trying to do here yeah because it's got neon signs on the outside and the room I love that the room is just it's covered in graffiti and looks it's, really it's crappy it's dump it's an awful terrible shitty place yeah it's like it has a payphone a tiny table a bed with barely a mattress yeah and Aaron's sitting on the window and importantly i was like oh this is we haven't seen Aaron do this before she's not wearing her peacekeeper uniform yeah which is just wearing to some degree rags yeah she's wearing like a long dress tights uh, boots and got a cloak with a hood and she's just sat there with her leg up on the windowsill and just staring off into space and drinking she's actually drinking oh, it's... oh what's it called a certain nectar that was mentioned apparently in a human reaction right yeah felip compared nectar. to beer felip nectar. Fel felip nectar and it's a callback all the way back to season one episode 16 yes like thank you commentary for reminding me about that <laughs> yes yeah, oh, first I should actually give some props. The DVD commentary on this episode is just Claudia Black, who plays Erin, just by herself talking about the episode, and she says, it, you know, it means a lot to her, because basically this episode is an Erin character study yeah. piece. And Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into the commentary at the end, yeah, once we'll we get more into that discuss the, the whole episode, because oh. then we can talk about it without spoilers. Yes, exactly. So she's sat there looking out through the window, and she's holding the knife that she drew earlier, uh, studying it, looking at it, and then she glances over to the table where she's put her pulse pistol. Yeah, she's just discarded it onto the table. And also, so not only is she wearing, uh, like, street clothes, she's also got her hair down, which yeah. typically it's in, like, a ponytail or... She's, she's been wearing it down lately. Well, I mean, also, if you check episodes, she has been wearing it down uh, once in a while. 
Yeah, but like most of the time, I would say she's had it in like a ponytail. Or... That is, yeah, okay. Whenever, whenever she's in, whenever there's action, she is wearing it in a ponytail. That's true. Yeah, it's just like it's a completely different look for Aaron, which mm-hmm. is is really interesting. So she calls someone on the com on the yeah the payphone. The payphone. Yeah, it basically is a payphone. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> built into the wall. And she says, "Look, can you help me contact someone? Can you help me find some contact someone who's dead?" Yeah, and it's like, "Yes, sure. Who who do you want to contact?" And she says, "Talon Lixac. Importantly, it's Talon, her father." Yeah, it's like, "Um, okay." That's a bit of a swerve, you know. It's yeah, it's not what I was expecting. No, and I think that's really interesting that it's not Crichton. Oh, she wants to try and find her father because I mean. We've had all the stuff with Zalax, and it seems to me that it seems to imply that she wants help on how to get through this knot to try and bring Crichton back. I think she knows she shouldn't try to get Crichton back. Yeah, and uh, this is all subtext or su- you know stuff that I'm supposing, but it, that's mm-hmm. what it seems to mean to me. Yeah, which I really like. I'm like, it would have been so easy to just straight away go for let's bring try and get her to try and bring Crichton back. Yeah. So, and speaking of Crichton, actually, she's, uh, Erin lies down on her bed, and sitting on the other side of the room in the chair, she sees Crichton, but not just any Crichton. No, a very specific Crichton. An old Crichton. Old man Crichton from the the locket. Yeah, dressed in the same way he was in the locket. And uh, at this point, she's, you can tell she's been drinking pretty heavily. Oh, yes. She's, I mean, she's acting a little bit drunk and very tired and just very out of it. And she sees him there and like looks <laughs> And her first him. reaction is like, who are you? And I think he says a few lines about remember, you'll remember. And she has flashbacks to the timeline in the locket, which we thought was erased. Yeah, so I guess there's more than just dust that remained from that. Mm. Well, there was that tiny hint at the end of that episode that it may not all have been forgotten. Yeah, like, for more than just Zan and... Um, and Stark. And Stark. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't entirely certain. And now she seems to be remembering it very slowly. And even she remembers the pain she felt at some point. It's oh. like, oh, just same old pain, same old pain. I love that, because we have the shot from the episode, from the locket of... Erin clutching her chest, oh, same old pain. And then Erin in this episode, like, sits up on her bed and clutches her chest in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, oh, God, that... This is all, like, without any dialogue from current Erin, present Erin. Yeah. Then we see more of another close-up of old Crichton in Erin's hotel room. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the makeup looks noticeably better, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. In I... this one. I didn't notice, actually, honestly. I think it's cause, because you see the close-up, and then in the flashbacks, he's a bit further away, but <laughs> I think they improved the makeup slightly, <laughs> the huh. old man makeup. And uh, nice. then she hears a knock at the door. She goes walking towards the door, old man Crichton still sitting in the chair, and uh, she basically opens the looking slit, I guess, in the door, and it's like... Yeah, a little great. The man on the other side says, Are you Aaron's son? She just opens the door not saying anything, walks back into the room. I thought you were alone. I heard you speaking to someone. No, it's just me. Hmm. And the guy comes in. He's got a hood on. We can see like a little mandible poking out from it. Yeah, but that's about it. And she says, look, you told me you could contact the dead. You could find my father, Talon. Mm -hmm. So show me. Let's let's do it. The man is slightly 
apprehensive. It's like, why now? You, I thought you didn't believe in any of this. Like, look, I'm willing to pay. That should be the only thing that matters. Also, could you show me your face? Yeah, and so he turns around and pulls his hood down. And we see another fantastic makeup job, prosthetic oh God. job from Jim Henson Creature Shop because half his face is... An insect? Yeah, and the other half is fairly regular human-ish, but like pale, bluey, grey sort of colour. Mm-hmm. And then the other half, he's got like a extended, distended mouth with the claw or mandible coming out of it and then a bumpy ridge going back across his head at an angle mm-hmm. and multiple eyes on the side and, and more yeah, like, te- uh, more mandibles coming out of it. And... Yeah, so those big uh, bug eyes. Yeah. It's like, oh, that looks really good and cool. And she says, look, I can do more than just contact Talon. I am Talon. Aaron, I am your father. That's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, honestly, the most interesting part about this scene is that Aaron barely reacts to anything. Yeah, she's like, really? She's just like, look, I paying you i don't let's just do this and also i'm drunk and yeah I... <laughs> also that <laughs> too much effort and it'd be like Ugh. and i think that that's something that crops up again in the episode later is that aaron for most of this episode is numb like mm-hmm. and that was a conscious decision that claudia black made when playing her not yep. necessarily something was in the script it was like well i'm gonna tone down her reactions and that's a difficult thing to do because you then have to trust that the audience will pick up on what's happening. It's a lot more subtle. Also that because you usually record out of sequence that you can keep the arc straight yeah, with more yeah, yeah. subtle things. If you do big emotions, it's easy to remember, okay, that's where they are right now. But if you do it in muted forms, it's like you need mm. to make sure that you get the arc even in the muted version. Yeah, and so far, actually, I really like, even in, in these first few scenes, that Aaron is this way. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yes, works really well for this episode. Yeah. So then we see Stark and Rigel come down into the foyer we saw earlier. And mm-hmm. so they've come down looking for Aaron. And uh, they're looking around, and Rigel is <laughs> hates this place. I mean, they're all basically peasants. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. Like, get away from me! Don't touch me! Ah. But as they're looking around, Stark hears a voice. He's like, "Wait, no, that can't be it! I heard her! I heard Zan! It's Zan's voice!" And I'm already like, "Oh, so this planet makes you hear and see what you want to hear and see." Mmm. Yeah, specifically, it seems like dead people or something. Yeah, dead relatives or something. And so (laughs) Rigel gets on the comms to Grace and says, Look, Stark's going mad. He's completely lost it. Look, please, could you come down and help (laughs) out? I'm stuck (laughs) here with Stark. Grace is pretty much like, No. No, I'm staying up here with Talon. (laughs) No, I'm not coming down there. If you don't (laughs) want to be there, then I don't want to be there either. Look, Mm. stay with him. Find Aaron. And so they go... Uh, looking around and Rigel keeps saying, don't back off, don't touch me, don't touch me. And then the man with the blood-soaked eyes comes up to Rigel and touches him. Yeah, touches his shoulder. I noticed that on Mm. the second viewing. It's like he actually touches Rigel's shoulder very briefly. And Rigel laughs. Oh, what are you going to do? Read my fortune. And says, look. It's like, oh, the blood is very convincing. Oh, fantastic. And he says, look, Kelor. Kelor forgives you. 
And I was just like, <gasps> how did you, what, how did you know that name? And the man says, she knows a dominar could not go against his own, own family. And Rigel freaks out and he's like, nope, 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 nope I'm nope, out, nope, I'm nope, out, nope, I'm nope, out, nope, goes, nope goodbye. He goes to Stark, like, have you been telling these people about me? He's like, no, I haven't told them anything. He's like, we have to leave. And they're like, no, look, we have to keep looking for Aaron. So they go off. And we, the camera pans across to somebody in a hood and we see their face. And it's Zalak's son. It's a ghost. Well, is it? <laughs> like, it does explain why Zalax was so prominently in the previously on. Yeah. So apparently she's going to be relevant to this episode in some way. So either it is a ghost or she isn't actually dead. Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to another scene with Aaron and, we'll put it in air, Aaron and Talon. The man known as Talon. <laughs> the man who calls himself Talon. We start out with a close-up of Aaron looking out of the window. And she still sat on the window, on the ledge. And Talon is sort of sat there you know, looking at his hands and says, Look, do you know what this is? And hands her a device. Basically, it's a DNA test. Yeah, primitive DNA test. You stick your finger in one end, it takes a little blood sample and runs out a DNA uh, test. Yeah. So he does one and then says, Look, you do it. And then compare the two. Look, they match. Take a hundred of mine against a hundred of yours. They will all prove that I am who I say I am. Interestingly, he notes, like, yes, it's old technology, but it's near 100% that uh, it works. And he says, like, and then says, like, take a hundred of mine and a hundred of yours, and they'll all match. And I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, if it's near 100%, you're actually approaching the point where one of them is not going to match. Oh, well. So he goes out and gets up to leave. And he's like, look, I know I'm not what you wanted to see and not what yeah. you wanted to find goodbye Aaron but then she says no 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 she sort of reaches out to him she just says stay and so he stops turns around and comes back and reaches out to her sat down on the ledge and touches her on the shoulder mm -hmm. and then she looks at him and he looks at her and then we cut back to Stark and Rigel again like Aaron being basically kind of numb and detached when she does show a little bit of emotion like that it's all the more i think all the more powerful for these yeah guys. because because the contrast that you create by being so numb in the other moments in the scene and it's not like a massive swing to something completely overblown it's just you nope. see those hints of actual emotion coming through and it's like oh mm -hmm. maybe she wants her father also she is still like drinking a lot of the philip nectar yep oh yep <laughs> so anyway, we cut back to Stark and Rigel, and they're at the desk for the hotel, and uh, they're asking the alien behind there if he's seen Aaron. Stark doesn't see someone at first, so he tries to lean over the counter and hear someone from back, Don't do that! Get back! You're hey. lucky I saw you through the peephole, otherwise uh, you would have uh, triggered it. And Stark, standing back up straight, and Rigel like, What do you mean? <laughs> trigger what and the man pushes something behind the desk and just enormous spikes shoot up from halfway through the desk you're like oh oh <laughs> like, ah, yes. protection and dismemberment all in one go <laughs> way better than an attack animal and like hey, okay. yeah intimidation factor also works and so this guy he's got pale whitish blue skin with yellow eyes and uh long red hair coming off the back of his head. Yeah, it's bald up top. And he's got scars covering his face. And he seems to be the guy in charge. And Who so, did he remind you of, by the way? Uh, I don't know. I'm actually... Beetlejuice. Blind. 
Oh, a little bit of Beetlejuice, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, very much Beetlejuice for me. It's like mm. different color scheme and not as slightly, like, not as much black around the eyes. But oh yeah, Beetlejuice and you definitely. See in his mouth, he's only got a few teeth, and he's like. Mm-hmm. Scars um, on his face, and so they're asking, of course, about Erin. And she says, "Have you seen her? She's very beautiful, and she's but she's now started wearing her hair down, and we're very close." And Rachel's like, "No, he's full of crap. No, he, they're not close at all. They're just no. Oh, he... Look, she's she's a, pe- she's a peacekeeper, and he's a lunatic. And Stark just grabs Rachel's hand and crushes it. He's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> As Stark's talking about Aaron in this scene, I'm like, Stark, stop being creepy, yeah, you're, please. You're being super creepy. Yeah, Stark, man. stop doing that. But the owner's not having anything. He doesn't tell them about Aaron. He says, well, you should try the one across town, and that's probably probably staying there. Yeah, and I'm like, Acro- on the other side of the city, yeah, you want to get rid of us, huh? Yeah, and so they keep arguing and trying to get information, but then Stark hears Zan's voice again. And starts walking away. And Ryder's like, "What? where are you going? And Stark sees someone around the pillar and goes, Oh, no, get behind, get behind there. And Ryder's just like, oh, What? Are you seeing Zan again? What is it? Like, no, it's her. And points out, it's, it's Zalak's son. Ryder's like, What is she doing here? Yeah, so they're seeing, they're both seeing her, which, you know, she's probably actually there. Yeah, that was the point. I was like, okay, they're actually seeing her as well. Then she's probably not a ghost and actually here. Yeah. And, oh my God, Chris has been lying to us. Yeah, John was right. <laughs> sort of. And so, but we also see her talking to the blood-eyed man and says, like, did you talk to them? Did you? And No, no, I would never betray you, Salex. And she brings out a knife. It's like, no, well, you've got that right, and stabs him and kills uh-huh. him. And like, <laughs> and She tosses a few coins to, uh, just on the on the ground. It's like, clean up the body. Oh. And then we, like, smash cut to Stark holding Crace at gunpoint on Talon. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you lied to us. You told us you killed Zalax. You lied. John was right. You sold us out for yourself. And Chris is like, no, look, I told if we, I knew if we killed Zalax, High Command would only, only send another squad and another and another. So he offered Zalax her life in return for her reporting to High Command that they had killed Talon and its crew. I also like that Stark's response to this is, do you think we believe that? Do you think we're idiots? And internally, I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, that's not really a good position, Stark. No. It's like, Stark, have you seen you and Rigel? I don't want to be rude, but... Also... Like, dumb and dumber? Yeah. I mean, also, whether or not they are idiots, the question is, does Kreis think they are? And the answer there is... Is 100% yes. 100% yes. yes. 100% <laughs> yes, indeed. Of course he does. Uh, and so Stark you know, wants to kill him. He's like, look, I'm going to make you very dead and I'm going to help you across to the other side very quickly. And Rigel's like, no. And Chris says, well, yes, Dominar, Rigel understands your predicament. Part of my psyche resides in Talon. Can you fly Talon without no, me? Stark is like, no, but Eren can. Mm. <laughs> and Rigel's like, yeah, and Eren's not here, so we're not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, there, there's a bit of a, still a bit of a standoff, and then we cut away back to down on the planet with Aaron walking through the foyer with Talon, and she's got her, she's not wearing her cloak or anything, got her hood down. And this is when you can really start to see, like, how, like, sunken her eyes look with the red around them mm-hmm. and how pale she looks, and she doesn't look in a good way. No. 
and so Talon asks Aaron, who did you really want to find? Not me. And she says, it was a man. I lost someone. It's like, did you love him? I think she answers. No, I don't think she answers that Not question. in this scene. She just says, no. look, can you help me find him? And says, he says, look, I think I know someone who can help. I will return I, later. I have seen incredible things on this planet. Let me do this for you, Aaron. I want to help you. And again, Erin is just not reacting barely at all. She's numb out of it, just like... Mm. She's basically emoting, yeah, whatever. And then uh, the Talon leaves to go do that. And Erin goes to the hotel owner, who we saw a few scenes ago, and says, well, who's that? who is he? Who is that guy? Who is Talon? Where... He's nobody. What do you know about him? Yeah, he doesn't give up any information. But then she puts some coins on the table and he's like oh well you know i heard yeah it's like uh, he's a refugee from uh, out of town what is he doing here i don't know <laughs> another coin on the table oh yeah, I've, I've recently heard he's been training with the um what is it what is it they call it like psychics or something yeah something like that mystics probably L local clubhouse of psychics or something i don't know <laughs> she keeps putting money down to get more information yeah and then it's like what does he want i don't have no idea just grabs him by the throat pulls him forward it's like okay okay wow somebody's angry maybe you should have some more nectar huh yeah, maybe I should. And she's like, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. <laughs> Not in that sort of voice, but yeah. <laughs> no. Like and five bottles and like, yeah. having a party. And just heads back up to her room. And then we see another close-up of Zalax, who's overhearing all of this. Mm -hmm. And so, hmm. She, so she clearly knows Aaron is there. And obviously, I mean, that's... You, we can infer that that's why she's there at all. Yeah, because... It'd be a weird... It's the only person Alex has any connection with, aside from the rest of the group as yeah. a whole. And it's, it'd be a weird coincidence, <laughs> otherwise. Duh. Yeah. So, anyway, then Crace, Stark, and Rigel turn up. Crace is bound. Yeah, well, Crace has got handcuffs on. Yeah. And Stark is looking around, trying to find someone to ask about Aaron, and nobody's responding. And Crace keeps saying that, you know, come on, un I can't help you if you don't uncuff me. <laughs> like, help, help. And Rigel's like, no, Crace, you can help us just fine. Whenever the trouble starts, you'll make a wonderful meat shield. Yes. <laughs> yes, Rigel, yes. Good, good, good. And so Stark actually finds that there's a dead woman old woman or, lying or on dying a, woman yeah it's not entirely clear but she looks pretty dead and so he goes over to her and rigel says oh god no leave her alone Stark." let her die in peace yeah but what stark does is he opens he up casts and, speak with the dead yeah basically he casts talk with dead <laughs> yeah talk with dead he casts what is it second third level cleric spell yeah i don't know he opens his mask and uh communicates with her basically says like uh she thinks Aaron is on one of the upper levels uh, and Rice is like, fine, I'll go get her. And Stark's like, no, 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 I'll take Crace over here and so that he can tell her what he's done. You keep an eye out downstairs for Zalek. And as they leave, of course, all these people start accosting Rigel again. Like, ah, ah, no, goy, ah, ah. <laughs> so then we go back up to Aaron in her room. Mm -hmm. And we actually, well, she's walking to her room through like the crappy, you know, the hallways and the, you know, they're full of crap and there's people in there and she sees a couple kissing yeah like going really into it by the way tongues and all like yeah <laughs> and we have some flashes to her kissing Crichton, and and she's 
looking back out into the hallway at it just briefly and then goes inside and when she goes inside Crichton is sat on the window sill. I, I like how she walks in, turns to the wall opposite of the window and just freezes. You can see her tense up a little bit and then turns around and the camera zooms out to show Crichton sitting there. Yeah, and it's Crichton in jeans and a tank top, which is what he wore. This, this is, you know, not his, like, peacekeeper-y type gear. No. It's, like, normal human clothes. But so he sat there looking out into, looking out the window, and then Crace and Stark arrive on the other side of the door. Yeah, basically knock on the door. And Aaron goes to open it. She opens the little grate. It's like, what is it? Stark's first, like, ah, good to find you. Ah, there's trouble. And Crace steps around and is like, look, it's serious. We need to talk. Can I come in? She steps out rather than... No, no. She says no. Well, she says no, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. And then Stark pulls Craze back again and starts shouting at him. It's like, on the ground, on your knees, head against, face against the wall. It's like, what are you? No, I'm not going to get... Oh, then your knees. You yeah. said, Raiju, you'd be calm. I am calm. <laughs> and so when he does that, Aaron then steps out of her room. Yeah, it's on his knees right now. And sits down on a box, sort of outside, you know, still drinking. And Stark says, look, look, we have to tell you. We have something important to tell you. Aaron is like, do you know who I've seen? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You'll you'll laugh. You'll really find it. You want to know who I've seen. And But uh, Stark says, no, no, no. Zalax is here and alive on Valdon. And Aaron just responds like, funny this planet, isn't it? Like I said, n- you never guess who I've seen. Like I Crichton. S- and then I saw my father. And she's sort of laughing about it a little bit. Yeah, she's she finds it hilarious, really. Mm, but again, still fairly muted responses. Not mm-hmm. like really over the top. Just like, it's, it's the hilarious that you have while well, drunk and sad. It's that sort of bitter laugh, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she says, any minute now you'll start seeing Zan. And like, Ooh, oh, uh, that's on point. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Stark is trying to explain to Aaron that Kreis never killed Zalax. And, and he's like, look, I want to look after you. Like, I want to help you. I want to look I, I, after I, you. Because, first of all, he turns to Kreis and he says, Kreis betrayed us. I didn't betray us. I made a deal. It's like, you, you need to come with me. I will take care of you. I want to take care of you. And she says to him, it's like, that would be nice. Then he touches her and it's like, don't touch me. And Stark is clearly, like, taken aback by this. It's like, ugh. Oh. And then she goes over to Kreis, and, and because Kreis says, look, he's not lying. I really didn't kill her. She's really alive. She's really here. And Aaron kneels down right in front of him and says, like, oh, come on, Bylar. You don't have to lie. You wanted me all this time. You wanted me to take me from John. Well, I'm here now. So come on, take me. She goes to whisper into his ear. It's like, yeah. do you know what? If I squeeze my eyes tight enough, I could pretend you were someone else and she's really like physically coming on to him and grace doesn't want this no like, and he's clearly like going and she's very aggressive about this and, and like she's like no come on give me what you always wanted you, you know let me have it come on and then <laughs> stark basically cuts in grabs her by the shoulder and tries to pull her away and it's like no no get away from him and she turns over to stark grabs him by the collar just shoves him against the wall draws her knife holds it up to his eye and it's like do not touch me again, or I will take the last eye you have out. And the thing is, like, your, like, reciting of that line, it's even, it's more emotional than she delivers it. She delivers it, like, cold, almost. Yes, very it's much. Like, and then she says, you, you know what makes, what makes you... you so much worse than him? Is that you think you're so much better, and then sends them both away. 
there's like a tiny bit in the end there because she says, like, don't think I haven't seen you stealing looks. Stay away from me. Oh, she just called both of them out. Yeah, she did. And she's delivering that, that sort of muted intensity, which works really well. Because, like, it's muted, but it's still, like... You can tell the emotion behind it. The emotion is, like, not simmering. Simmering is too soft of words. Like, burning behind her face. Yeah, it's like, this is Claudia Black's episode, like, hands down. Like, yes, no, no debate. Like, nobody, nobody gets even close to the quality she's, she's performing here. And so she's able to deliver those lines in such a way that you can tell she's numb, but is feeling all this real emotion, and it's, mm-hmm. it's really good. It's also like, because this also highlights how both Grace and Stark have been acting towards her. Yeah. Because Grace, I mean, Grace has been pretty obvious for a while now yeah we've seen that a couple of times yeah but it's especially stark being called out on it because mm. he's been creepy before right after zan's death for example yeah i remember and that yeah. and in some ways you could see it being well intentioned but even in that she says like look stop stop pushing get away from me you think you're better you are not you're just as bad as him just yeah. in a different way. So, if I can take us to the DVD commentary for a second, um, mm-hmm. Claudia Black refers to this as her Ophelia scene, and Ophelia is a character from Hamlet, and I won't recap all of Hamlet, that's going to take far too long. Aww. <laughs> look, look it up yourselves, you, there's a version with David Tennant and Patrick Stewart, you should probably watch that, that's really uh, good. Oh, mm. okay, Yeah. yes. But her dilemma in the play basically drives her to madness, and she has no way to reconcile the contradictory selves that her men, like her father and Hamlet specifically, demanded that she be and still retain an equilibrium. And her desperation drives her crazy, and she has no way to heal herself. Ah, interesting. And I have to confess, I did have to look it up <laughs> afterwards. I was like, oh, I still didn't know it. Yeah, I, I, oh, that makes total sense, actually, with this episode. I assume because you were British, you'd know Hamlet by heart anyway. Oh, yeah, so every, like, yeah, every British person knows all of Shakespeare by heart. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's exactly like how all poodles know each other. How is that in any way like that? <laughs> I mean, it's both not true, for one. Sure, okay. I think maybe she's not the only one descending into madness. <laughs> I don't descend, I've always been there. <laughs> but yeah, I like that also, that she's torn between her father and Hamlet, who I believe was, yeah, her lover of sorts. And so that definitely works with this episode of Talon and Crichton, both people she wants to contact. And the way that Stark and Crace are acting towards her. And she kind of loses it a bit, and that's why she does what she does to Crace, and then pulls a knife on Stark and pushes them both away. Yeah, but I do like that she basically just comes up for herself. Yeah, definitely. Like, that is also... Uh, you know, really yeah, cool. Claudia Black was very nervous about this scene. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked to learn, like, apparently they ADR'd this whole scene, yeah. this entire because, scene. Yeah, because there was so much milling about of the extras on yeah. the original track. And just to refresh memory, ADR is additional dialogue recording where they basically will revoice scenes if they mm-hmm. didn't get good audio on the set, and they didn't. So she had to come back in and redub her stuff. You can't tell. 
Nope. But she she's a bit nervous because she thought maybe it was done a bit better on the day, but it turned out great. It turned out. It's really my favorite great. scene of this episode. Yeah. Like. And this episode is full of good scenes. So yes. that's a good. I have a different favorite scene, but we'll get to that in a oh, in, good. Uh, fairly shortly. Actually, we go then back down to the foyer and we see Talon talking to Zalax, and he's got a big box or thing that he's holding that he said, "I've got what I wanted." And it's, yeah, making noise. It's like moving. It's like, oh, a feisty fellow, I better hurry up. And he's talking to Zalax. Yeah, like, oh, uh, mm, mm. And he says, how is it progressing? And he says, in a much more Australian accent, his accent voice switches for this. Oh, I didn't notice. He's like, oh, I think she's buying it. Suddenly changes from the, yes, I am your father, to, oh, I think she's buying it, yeah. And I'm like, ah, uh, uh, yeah, it's figured. A, it's an act, it's a ruse, it's a con. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, when she sees this baby, everything. Her pain will be complete. Yes, her pain will be complete. So, all right. And, he, and she asks, it's a very interesting bit, because she asks, are you ready? And she's like, yes. And he taps his chest, like, all carapace. Or something like that, or I don't know, chest full of carapace. I don't know exactly what he means. Yeah, with that. yeah. It, it's it seems like he's wearing something under the underneath his yeah, or, vest. or has grown it. If I don't know what. Uh, yeah, I mean he's is. insectoid half face, so who mm-hmm. the hell knows? And so then we go back up to Erin in her hotel room, and she steps out onto the balcony and is sort of stood there, just staring out. And we see a shot from behind. Because uh, we've seen shots looking in, but we see a shot of behind looking out and down. And there's a map painting of this huge cityscape, which is even more Blade Runner than yeah, the rest of Yeah, because there's like flying cars going by and, and it's, it's like, dirt. yeah, no, this is Blade Runner. Yeah, like it's dirty, it's dark, it's like smoke and steam and yeah, it, oh, it looks really good, to be perfectly mm. honest. And she stood there looking down and then we see a shot from underneath and she yells out for Crichton. Just yelling out, Crichton! Crichton! And there's a flash, and that's there's a commercial cut in there. And so when we come back, we see her... Basically, she has a flashback to, again, a human reaction. Specifically the bits on the fake Earth, where she was in the room with Crichton when it was raining. And I remember back when we did that episode, we really liked this scene. This was a good mm-hmm. scene. This is the first time that her and Crichton had really had that kind of scene. And... We then see back in the hotel room, Crichton is sat on the window. Speaking of that scene, remember how I said that that was probably the last time we'd ever see Aaron in a dress? Yeah. I was wrong. Oh, you yeah. She's in a dress as well this episode. Oh, yeah. Hey. All right. So <laughs> I was proven wrong. <laughs> so Crichton is sat on the windowsill, and he's dressed like he was in a human reaction in the tank top and jeans. Mm-hmm. And so she sits down next to him, and this next part is my oh, favorite God, scene good. in the entire yeah, episode. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that makes sense. she puts her uh, nose down to his shoulder, and it cuts to him doing the same thing to her in a human reaction. Yeah, and they basically cut between those scenes mirroring the action only in this case Aaron being the one initiating contact yeah Aaron taking John's role in the original scene mm-hmm. and just moving her shot like very softly up his neck up to his mouth and they go to kiss and we you know flash between the two scenes and then we cut back up to her and there's nobody else on the windows she's just there by herself yeah that, and she, God, that scene, just, sorry, that last, that bit where it cuts between those two things. 
It, mm -hmm. That was really, really good, really powerful. And I hadn't consciously thought of this, but then when this was brought up in the commentary, that other scene in a human reaction was the first time they had kissed. Yeah, I had I hadn't realized that as well. It's I was like, like, oh my god, that makes that scene even better. Yep. What also, what I really liked about this scene is that at the start of it, she starts talking to John a little bit, and she says to him, like, this is my home now, it's not as good as Earth, but I, I would have preferred Earth. I think I liked yours better. Yeah, it's like, this is my world now, and I'm like, she's gonna stay here, because this is the only place she can be anywhere near Crichton. Whether this Crichton is real or not. Yeah. Like, is, is she imagining this? Is, is this really a ghost? Is it the planet doing this to her? Mm -hmm. Who knows? And, God, but this, it was so powerful, that scene where she starts caressing his shoulder, and we see him doing the same to her from the human reaction. I just, like, oh, God, they've come... It almost makes you forget that there is another Crichton somewhere else. Why did you have to bring that up, Hats? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't not think about it, you know? it's We just had an episode with him last time. Yeah, that's fair. That's what I like, is that they're treating the death of the Crichton on Talon with the proper amount of weight. Yeah, how it would really affect someone. Yeah, not just, lol, we have a spare. No, yeah, <laughs> it's actually emotionally really heavy. And so just calling all the way back to two seasons ago is such a deep cut, and it works so well for this because we see the scenes, and yeah, I really, I really like that scene. It got mm. me got me pretty good the first time. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so then she sort of stands up from the window. In fact, she chucks... Uh, she chucks bottles down. Yeah, she's chucking bottles off there. And then we see Rigel floating up and, like, dodging around a bit. It's like, oh, oh, coming up. <laughs> I like how Aaron's first line is, let me guess, you're my long-lost sister. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, she, she started seeing her. Her mother, her father, John, well, might as well add the long-lost sister to the list as well, yeah. while we're here. And she, she hovers up and is like, look, Aaron, I'm not here to save you, I'm not here to... I'm not here to save you, I'm not here to recreate with you. Not like the others. Look, I once had someone close to me. Her name was Kellor, and she was very important to me, and I missed her for a very long time. But I know, and I know that Crichton would know... And I think you know as well. That self-sacrifice is not the answer. He wouldn't want his death to lead you here. You can do whatever you like, but don't do this. Yeah. And he said, look, can we go inside? I'm <laughs> The air currents here are moving me about a bit too much. Yeah, and she's like, no, you're not coming inside. But then she hears a knock on the door. It's Talon. <laughs> and Rachel also says, like, Aaron, one other thing. Grace and Stark weren't lying. Salix is really here. And she just tells him to go. It's like, no, you go. Just go. And so he goes, floats back down, and she goes back inside. Rachel's the voice of reason in this episode. He well, is the, yeah. He is the one friend she has that doesn't have an ulterior motive, or might, mm. or might unintentionally have an ulterior motive. Well, yeah, she's, he's the only one who's not interested in her. Let's put no. it that way. Romantically, sexually, anything like that. He's mm -hmm. just... He doesn't want her to die. <laughs> yeah. So Talon comes into the room. And he's brought the, what he calls the seer. It's a little case that's sort of rounded and metallic and grimy. And he sets it down on the table. And it's like, look, we can, this will help you. I believe this will find Crichton. And it opens up. Holy shit. God, it opens up into, this is an incredible puppet. This thing is insane. Yes. 
So, okay, it's basically what it is. Is uh, let's start out by thinking of a baby. I think like that's a, a good good point to like, start with this visualization. More like a fetus. Yes, I bet it has with little claw arms. It's a very tiny body. It's much larger than that. It's about the size of a maybe a one or two year old, but it has four eyes arranged in a, in a giant head, a massive head, and a little scar down its nose, tiny nose and mouth. And all the eyes blink, and it opens its mouth, and it talks. And it's got a few teeth in it, and it just moves and looks really creepy and really good. It took. I was continuously like, "It's a puppet." No, it's an actor. It's a. Pu- is it a puppet or an? A- I, is it? Is it? I can't. I can't. I can't tell. It's a fully animatronic puppet. Yeah. Like, I've, uh, eventually, I figured out that seeing the mouth move and the 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 way the eyes were colored. They lacked the twitching that an eye usually has. Yes. Looking at different things It's like, okay, it is a puppet, but damn, is it a good-looking puppet? Yeah, it's an amazing puppet. It's incredible. Also freaked the, he- freaked the hell out the first yeah, time really I saw it. It's really creepy as well. Yeah, it's super like, it's creepy. Like horror, horror stuff. Yeah, my god. So and then Aaron, <laughs> the best part is Aaron's reaction to it is like she sat, sits down, like slumped over a little bit, looks over at it, and just starts sarcastically clapping. Yeah. Which is amazing, and in the commentary, Claudia Black says, "Like, oh, I felt a bit bad about this because this incredible puppet." And Aaron's reaction is just like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, but it works so well. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect like, for the scene. It's really appropriate. She's like, "Oh, look, they brought out the freak show to try and sort of convince like, me." Oh, this oh, is great. Oh. And it talks in this weird sort of high pitched voice of like, "Who did you want to find?" And uh, actual operator. Yeah, and the puppet operator got to do the voice, which rarely happens. I think we've mentioned that a couple of times in regards to pilot. Um, yeah, because I think Roku, or yes. the, at least the pilot of Roku was Rovu. Uh, Rovu. Yeah, uh, Roku on, was the was from Avatar. Uh, on Eat Me. Yeah, that was also the voice of the actual person that, that puppeted. Does, well, it's uh, the guy who does the voice for pilot. When they're recording live on set. Oh, right. That that's it. Yeah, and in this one, it's more like I was the diagnosen who was voiced by the puppeteer who was doing her uh, doing <laughs> the diagnosen. In fact, what? in an earlier scene, we had like a in the background you saw diagnosen because talking about look she may be looking for dead bodies or something. I think Stark. The the man uh, behind the desk is you'll have to outbid that guy. And there's just a diagnosen looking at bodies like hey they got to reuse that costume. Yeah, nice. That's just like a quick throwaway thing. It's not super relevant, but it's yeah. a nice bit of background stuff. So she's talking to the seer and it's like who did you want to find? And she tells. Oh. It's not quite like that, but no, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's, it, it's closer than my normal voice. It is true, and she has to put her hand on its head so that it can get a link with her. And she's gently, like, gently, soft, softly. And she said, and it says, "Did you, did you love him?" And she's like, she can barely get words out, really. And, and he says, "Did you touch him like this? Did he love you?" And she says. Yes, he made me better with like a slight bit of emotion in her voice of like mm-hmm. almost you could see being slightly on the verge of crying. Oh, it's really good. And, and he's like, oh, oh, I feel like, ah. And the little case that opened up that he's sitting in, there's mm-hmm. a little bit above him, space above him that fills with this light. And we see an image of Crichton's head. And it's just like, help me, bring me back. Yeah, because it's it's his voice, but it's also the 
Sears voice a little bit. Repeating laced, it, yeah. Yeah, laced into it. And then the, it goes away, and then the Sears starts talking in an alien language. And what I like, actually, I realized in the previous episode, where they had to upload ancient Luxon into the translator microbes to Dargo, mm-hmm. it's not a universal translator. If they nope. don't have the language for it, then it doesn't get translated. It's like, okay, good, yes, okay, I, that makes sense. Then how can they understand John? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just Hats's face. You kind of see this Hats's face going oh, like, Oh, God, Shit. yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they took it from him when they injected him or something. That's a possibility. All right, actually. anyway, that was, yeah. that no, was no, no, a no. long time ago. We'd have to go back to the first episode and see if there was a point when they understood him before he was knocked out. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, because he that's... could understand everybody else, which makes sense. Yeah, all right. Anyway, that's a little bit of minutiae that's not super relevant. Anyway. <laughs> that was worth it just for your face. Yeah, that's that's fair. I wish I wish we were recording video, but <laughs> never mind. And But then Talon says, like, oh, he says that it's... Has never felt a stronger vision, and look here on this planet. We have like a alien who uh, sometimes can bring people back if the connection is uh, like make spirits corporeal if the connection is strong enough. And Aaron just says that's not possible. So it's like I've seen amazing things on this planet. Trust me. Yeah, let me try this. Please stay here. I'll be back as soon as I can. And so he goes off to go get something, and Aaron lies down. And then when Aaron lies down in this scene, Crichton appears again. Before that happens, she's like, she's half laughing, half crying. She's like, well, I came back from the dead. No reason he can't. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) That was the first time I was like, yeah, actually, that is a good point. (laughs) You did come back from the dead, so it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And Aaron then lies down and Crichton's at her side and he is sort of lying next to her. And yeah. we, it's a close-up we see of her lying down. We sort of just see her face yeah. and we see Crichton. He, com- he comes up to her. Around her, you know, caressing her neck and says that, you know, you can't bring me back. Well, they said they had a... And he's like, no. I, I can't remember the name anymore. That's actually Aaron. It's not yeah, me yeah, this time. She's like, I, can't, I also can't remember the I name, but in remember. this case it was Aaron. And he says, no, no, you know you can't. And she asks him, was it hard being the hero? Sacrificing yourself? Leaving me behind? And she, he says... I didn't know I was going to die. And says, yes. Yes, yes you, you did. Yes, you did. Sort of smiling. You know, she rolls over a bit and he rolls on top of her. Yeah, and they're, they're, about they're to laughing. St- yeah, she's laughing. He says, no, yes, you did know. You did. And then they're about to kiss. And then we, Aaron realizes, just flashes back to reality. Yeah, we, and we cut to the alone. other side of the bed. And it's like a, a different angle to the bed. And it's like he's not there. Yeah. She just... Lies down again. Technically, she's not alone because there's a weird, creepy four-eyed yeah, baby is, standing on the table. This but... is true. Yes. Because when the, this whole scene was happening, I'm like, is the baby just watching? <laughs> Maybe. This is also intercut with scenes of them kissing in uh, previous episodes. Oh right, Alan. yeah. This is like they they go like a um oh, it was a, a montage yeah. of kisses throughout the series. <laughs> it's referred to as the from here to eternity moment in the DVD commentary. Yeah. It's how Claudia Black hole it's like, yep, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> sort of in order we see stuff from the Flax, we see stuff from a couple episodes ago on Talon, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, their whole like storied relationship. <laughs> yep. And then she like snaps back to reality. And as she does Somebody else comes into the room. It's Zalax. Zalax enters. 
with a gun pointed at her. Aaron again, like Aaron barely reacts. Really, yeah, it's like, oh great, it's Alex, especially <laughs> Alex's entrance. Hello, daughter. It's like she's <laughs> almost evilly cheerful. Yeah, is, and, I think the best way to describe her emotion. And Aaron just sort of sits down and looks up at her. She's basically come to kill Aaron. And and then Talon comes in and says, Ah, yes, and we're all here and like throws him onto the bed and like says, I'll yes. first... Oh love, how good to see you again. And she starts threatening to kill him in front yeah. of Aaron. And he's like, Look, Salix, kill me, leave Aaron alone. There's no reason to harm her, just my life for hers. And Aaron says, like, look, he's not the one that you want. You want to kill me, right? You want me. But Zalax gets Talon to lie down on the bed and says... Yeah, and says, like, like, no, I think I'm going to kill him. He says, like, turn around. And you can see him actually start to freak out. I was like, wait, wait, what? no, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. no, no, no. You can hear her, like, a, a hushed whisper, like, Zalax? Zalax, what are you doing? Zalax? And she turns him around and shoots, shoves him on the ground and just shoots him in the back. Yeah, because remember the scene earlier where he's like, I'm wearing the, the hard thing yeah. under the chest. You know, he's basically had a bulletproof vest on and they were staging uh, the, him being killed. But uh -huh. then Zalax is like, no, turn around and shoots I'm him in the back. I'm actually going to kill you. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's like, that's why, that's why I wanted to put a point on that little bit of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second time through, it's like... Oh, yeah, that, yeah. oh, that's why he panicked all of a sudden because mm. he suddenly realized, like, hang on, what, what are you doing? <laughs> are you going to kill me for real? Yeah, and she says, oh, things couldn't have worked out better. I'm glad you got to meet Talon and <laughs> then you got to see him killed in front of you. And she says that everything that ever bad that ever happened to her, that ever happened to Zalax. Yeah, was, was Aaron's all, fault. All Aaron's fault. And, oh, what does Aaron say? It's like, yeah, he says, yeah, what do you want? Do you want my pity? And Zalak says, no, I want your pain. Oh. Yeah, this is her mother That's coming fun. in just, yeah. to, just to cause her pain. Okay, guys, just imagine that, but your mother doing that to you. That's horrifying. Good luck sleeping at night. Yeah. Hi, honey, I'm here for your pain. Mm -hmm. She says she was so close to love and then lost it all in an instant. Yeah, maybe now you know how it feels. I'm like, um, I think you didn't need to kill this innocent guy for that because I think she knows exactly how yeah. that feels. <laughs> so we cut down in the middle of this. Well, after she said that, we cut down to Crace and Stark and Rigel back down in the foyer and they're trying to get more information from the hotel owner. Yeah, they basically pulled him across his desk. Stark's basically kind of... Get over here! You were lying to us! And Rigel's got his finger on the button that puts the spikes up, and he's like, Oh, well, like, what does this do? Because at first he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Why? Please, and I have me. And then Rigel flies to the other side. Which button is it to activate? He says, No, 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 no! Because <laughs> he's right across that part of the desk. It's like, Uh oh. Uh. It's like, Why did you lie to us? She would have killed me! And then he says, Look, look, okay, there's an access tunnel, uh, access shaft vent thing behind the uh, the desk you can use. You can get up there to Aaron's room. Yeah, so Alex doesn't know about it. And so, okay, you, you know, let me go. <laughs> but once they sort of let him go, basically the townspeople start shooting at them. Yeah, because at some point, Alex says, like, I paid all of you a lot of money 
like apparently a large group. She apparently had some mercenaries working for her mm. here. Well, we saw that earlier with the blood-eyed man, where she said, "Like you weren't talking to them, were you? You're yeah. not going to fail me again," and like stabs him. So mm-hmm. she's paid off a lot of people here, and yep. so yeah, they start shooting at the rest of the gang. But then we cut back up to Aaron and Zalax. Aaron's like <laughs> starts laughing. He's like, "You didn't yeah. have to kill this guy." To get no, she's me. basically like, "Killing Talon wasn't enough. You had to kill him." right in front of my eyes wasn't it when he came to me i knew he wasn't the real one but he knew all these things about you and me and uh, our relationship and Alex is basically like no you're lying you didn't you didn't know it's like i knew that, that as soon as i saw him like, like that that could not be my father i, I mean i would have liked it to be truly be my father but he's gone yeah in the same way i would have hoped to see Crichton again but I know that's not going to happen either. She's breaking down during this, by the way. She's she's seriously, like, not full-out crying, but she is clearly getting there. She's letting the emotions show through a lot more. Mm -hmm. And it it shows that what she's known the whole time, that Crichton isn't coming back, and with Talon, that Talon is dead. And she was going along with it because for a moment she could pretend it was real. Sometimes it's nice to believe. Like she said to Crace, actually, if she squeezes her eyes tight enough, he could almost be someone else. Mm. You know, it's like if she doesn't pay attention to it, if she's drinking and just detached, then she can believe that it's true. And she wants to believe that it's true, but she knows it isn't. Yeah. It's like sometimes the lie is more comforting, far more comforting than the truth. Or at least you think it is, but it's not what you need. No. What you want and what you need. Yeah, and that's good what storytelling. That's what Aaron is going through in this episode, which is just it's so good. It's good. Yes, it's good it's stuff. Good. But I also love as Aaron is talking about this, and she says, "Like we we peacekeepers believe ourselves to be so advanced, so noble, so mighty." But I've come to realize that we're pathetic. We do nothing for love. And you can see Zalex's face. She seems as devastated as Aaron is in some ways. But then she says to Aaron, Well, no, you're wrong. After your birth, I was given an order. High Command called it a choice. Either one of you had to die. Either Aaron or Talon had to die. I killed Talon so that you could live. I did that out of love. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's like the extra la- layer to what she did to Talon. Oh, my God. Yeah, because it's now like, and now even more, it makes more sense why all that animosity, all that anger, all the fact that she'd never had the love she wanted was because of her love for Aaron. That's how it was all focused into it's oh, all Aaron's mm. fault. That is such an incredible extra layer of depth. On yes, of I'm that. so glad they brought Salix back mm. for that. I am I'm so glad she did not get killed off in that episode. Because... Yeah, no, usually I hate fakeouts like that. They have an off screen, so I'm okay with it because yes. if you never see the body, it's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can't expect it to come back, so it made sense on this one. But even then, it's like, oh, I'm so glad they did that, because they did something interesting with it, not just to, ha, fool you. So, and we cut to, you know, Stark fighting back against the town folk. Quick draw Stark, by the way. It's yeah, like, he just pulls his pulls pistol and just shoots one right at, right away, and it's like, oh, and damn. R- Rigel's hiding behind the desk. Krace is cuffed to, like, a... A piece of the desk. A piece of it, and he's like, look, uncuff me, I can't help you. And Rigel's like, well... Under the circumstances, uncuff him! <laughs> and so they uncuff Crace, and he goes through the uh, ventilation shaft, the yeah. access tunnel. Because he first starts helping Stark with holding them back, and then Stark says to Crace, like, get up get up there, save Eren. I'll be fine. And so I'll hold him off. 
Yeah, and so off he goes. And what we then see up uh, with Aaron is Aaron standing out on the balcony. And I don't know if it's here or if it's later, but Zalek said something that really struck me. is because she says to Aaron, they tell you that loved ones leave you in pieces. You slowly start forgetting parts of them, sound of their voice, uh, their small habits. But in reality, they leave you in an instant, leaving a, an emptiness behind. And I'm like... I think that depends on the loved one because that first thing you described sounded very familiar. Well, she also said like uh, a hole that you can never really fill. Mm. There's always things that that person represented or that person was that you can never, that nobody else can replace for you. Yeah, and that's in part, you know, true to life and also comes up a lot in fiction like this. Yeah, but the description she gives beforehand about how somebody leaves you in pieces is how I experience it with both my grandpas. It's small things that you forget about. Yeah, and but then she, of course, you know, they leave you all at once and it's never properly the same again. And it's, yeah. it's a really, really good line. But so, Aaron is out on the balcony and and Zalek says, like, wasn't always an assassin until I killed your father. She says she was a prowler pilot. Oh, oh, great, yes. No, twist the knife some more. Yeah, make a much more of a parallel to Aaron. Mm-hmm. And she says, but I wasn't an assassin until I killed your father, and then they made me kill again and again and again, and eventually I stopped caring. And I knew that your suffering would ease my pain, and it has. It has. It has. She repeats that. Because oh, yeah. the way she repeats it and mm. the way her face is, you're like, that's what you're telling yourself, yeah. Sally. Trying to convince herself that it's true. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I just love the fact that that they, either the actress or the writer was clever enough to have her repeat that. Mm. In that particular way, yeah. Yeah. And then Aaron says, like, look, you don't want to kill me. And then Zalek shoots twice and misses Aaron both times. Yeah. From, like, almost point-blank range. And Aaron doesn't flinch. She's just stood there, standing, looking out into the air. While this is happening, we see Crace fighting his way through the hallway towards the door. It's cutting between yeah, yeah. what's going um, inside the room and out in the hallway. So I think I know where this is going. I don't like it. And then Aaron calls Zalax out to the balcony. Come over here. Get closer so you can't miss. And she puts the gun like right up to her face and says, Look, you can't miss from here. <laughs> unless, unless you want to. Unless you want to. Drop the gun, okay? You, yeah, you know like, you can't do it. The war is over. Drop the gun. And she's going to put the gun down, and Crace kicks in the door. Yeah, because as she's lowering the gun, we see Crace just getting ready to storm the door. I'm like, no dramatic irony, no! And he kicks in the door, just as Zalex is going to put the gun down, he shoots her. Yeah, because he gets in. Her response is, of course, to spin to the door and aim her weapon. And Grace doesn't hesitate for a second and shoots, and Aaron's like, no! And she grabs Zalax in her arms and holds her there, and Zalax is looking up at her. No, let me go. And Aaron's like, no, no, I can't. Stay with me. And I think she says, let me fall. Then Aaron says that, and then she says, let me go. I died a long time ago. And they look into each other's eyes, and Zalax says to Aaron, you have to live for me. Mm -hmm. And Aaron lets her go, and we see her fall all the way down this enormous skyscraper. I thought two things as that was falling down. In some ways, it would have been interesting as she fell down for her to turn into Crichton. Oh, I Symbolically see yeah, of letting, yeah, yeah. letting him go as well. And also, I was like, wait, they don't do burials? 
<laughs> I think also it was like if she hadn't let her go, they could have maybe tried to save her medically. They could have like tried to patch the wound up and yeah, also that. And so, but Zalex wanted Aaron to let her go. Yeah, I think at that point she possibly she didn't trust herself to be able to hold on to the emotions she had at that point. Like I, that she'd eventually come to resent Aaron again. I don't think it's that complex. I think it's just that she wanted to die. Like she, that could also be the case. Like yeah. she, at, at that point, she was like, no, you go on, live for me. I died a long time ago. I'm done. I'm done, yeah. And which is like a parallel to what Aaron was feeling. The number of times she was stood out there looking out of the balcony, stood mm. right on the edge and being brought back inside a couple of times by... Well, every time she's been brought back inside, it's by either her father or by Crichton. People that she's holding on to. And then at the end, who falls off the balcony, but it's her mother who's done and she lost everything. And she has to let go from it. And so she falls. And so then we go, then we have a scene aboard Talon. Mm -hmm. And we see that Crace and Rigel are watching a recording of Stark. And he says, like, look, Dan is communicating with me. I'm going to go look for her. Don't follow me. I want you to give the Crichton aboard Moya this. He'll know what to do with it. And he takes yeah. off his mask. Yeah, and Rigel is holding it present. And he says, I, what do you think Crichton on Moya will do with this? And Crace says, I have no idea. I think I know. <laughs> I have a very good feeling I know what that is about. And Stark says, look, take care of Aaron. I will find you again. And then Crace says that Talon has located Moya. Um, yeah. When they meet up, I will leave Talon and they'll find find someone else to pilot him. I yeah, can't be around anymore. Rigel also says, like, it'll be good to be back on Moya again. And Crace is not so sure. And like you said, he says, like, once we link up with Moya, we'll find a new pilot for Talon. And then I'm going to leave. I'm yeah. like, yeah, Crace is also kind of giving up, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. It's not good for him to be around since he actually killed Aaron's mother when she was... There was a chance she could have been saved, as mm -hmm. far as Aaron could tell. Yeah. Compare that to the last time where he was convinced that they had to kill her and they had to convince Aaron to... It's such like a flip of what happened mm -hmm. in uh, Relativity. And it's, and it's also that I think after... Also what ha when the scene uh, in front of Aaron's room with Stark and Crace mm. and Aaron... I think that's also, like, cutting into him. It's like, she's right. That's the horrible part. She wasn't lying. She wasn't overreacting. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. And I don't really like that about myself right now. Mm. So I need to get away from all this. Oh, okay. And so that's that scene. And then we have our final scene. And the last scene is Erin in her room uh, at mm -hmm. the hotel, you know, taking, getting her stuff together. But she's dressed back up in her peacekeeper gear. You know, leather trousers, uh, green top, hair back in a ponytail. In a braid, even. Yeah, braid. It's like stone-faced, like a red's gone from her eyes, but she's just, like, expressionless, almost. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, another vision of Crichton by the window. She basically says, like, maybe you were right. Maybe if you'd lived, I could have been different. I could have been someone else, but, but I'm not. Yeah. In the end, I'm a peacekeeper. You're gone, and I am what I was bred to be. And as she's saying that, you see I put a pistol in the holster on her leg. Mm -hmm. And then the Crichton says, 
Look, come over here, Aaron. Come to the window. And she's, no, you have to go now. She's finally letting go. And then the case with the seer in it is, is still there. <laughs> hasn't yeah. been moved. And it opens up again. And he says, look, listen, what we do on Valdon, it's usually fraud. But with you, it might actually have been real. Should we try one more time? And she doesn't look back at it. No, we she just see just a close-up on her face. No change in expression. And she just walks away. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Yes, exactly that. Yeah. All right. First of all, before we do anything else... Five out of five. Five out of five. five oh, wait, no. Done. No, actually, one out of five. I'm sorry I have to do that because there was no Moldus. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, five get... out of five. Five yeah. out of five. Easily. Easily. Yeah, like, done. When we're talking five out of five, I think I'd have to watch them side by side, but this is getting very close to the level of the way we weren't. Personally, but I think this episode is better. I think I like the other one, but that's mostly because it it's like it grabs like a whole bunch of ties and all uh, yeah strings and all ties them together but so think... neatly. So that might be my preferred. Like I said, I'd have to watch them yeah. side by side to make a choice. <laughs> but I think the strength of the character work in this episode is what pushes it over for me. And yep. oh boy, is that ever strong! This might be my favorite episode so far. If... Like I said, I can't make a choice. Yeah, it's it's tough. Notably, both those episodes, the way we weren't and the choice are Aaron focused episodes. Yeah, I know I noticed that as well. And it's like, yeah, they really have a lot to unpack with Aaron. I think one of the blessings with Aaron is that she's not the main character, so she doesn't have to adhere to certain things. Hmm. But she's pr- in some ways she's as close to a main character as any of the other cast well, the thing cast is, ever gets. It's an it's an ensemble cast, right? You yeah, ostensibly have a main character in John Crichton. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he has to be the focus of every episode. No, but be, let's be honest. Aaron is, from the rest of the cast, the one who gets the most focus. Yeah, definitely. And rightly so. Yeah. Like, her story is how she's changed with Crichton and the others there, but specifically with Crichton, made her into something better, something else, something other than the Peacekeeper. And the fact that at the end of this episode, it seems like she's going back to that, well, she's to going... being that Peacekeeper. In some ways, it's comfort. In some ways, it's just coping giving up I yeah think coping coping i think it's going back to what she knows mm, something familiar yeah and in the commentary claudia black says that basically season three has been in large part about aaron's journey and yeah like, because... i'd argue first season also had a lot about her oh, journey yeah. Oh yeah, but like if we look at who's if we ask the question of whose journey is it mostly about in season three, the answer is Aaron. Yeah. Because we dealt with Dargo's stuff fairly early yeah, on. Yeah, Dar- Dargo's arc ended, I think, mostly somewhere around season two, and they haven't figured out what to do with him just yet. Yeah, Chiana hasn't Wait, really now, or did Jothy leave at the beginning of three? Anyway, uh, yeah. it was somewhere somewhere around that time. Yeah. Chiana hasn't had much of a really an arc so far. Nope. And John, John's arc kind of, it's once they figured out how to write Crichton as not just being the guy from season one of like the astronaut. Once he became the character that he, he, his arc kind of. He doesn't have an arc. No, it sort of ended with Crace. It was, yeah, it was his development with, was with Crace in season one. Yeah, that's probably the closest you'll ever get to an arc for him, which makes me wonder, something I need to start paying attention to, do, do main protagonists have arcs or not? It depends. Or do they get slightly pushed away from that? Yeah, and but I like then you did see him develop his character into you know having a relationship. Well, one of them did <laughs> a relationship with Aaron. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I like like we said 
during uh, Infinite Possibilities, when he's like, you know, he's happy, he's got a relationship with Aaron, he's figuring out wormholes, you know, he's got mm-hmm. everything he ever wanted, really. I mean, of course, that's when he dies, but uh. if he's got everything he's ever wanted, then you can't really have an arc from there. You know, he's done, he's finished. You can always find something the character still wants. <laughs> There's, like, True. just like with people, even if in real life you have everything you ever wanted, I'd almost quote the Heath Ledger Joker on this one, I'm like a dog chasing a fire truck. I have no idea what to do with it if I ever, ever actually caught it. Hmm. But so, let's look at season three. You start out with Eren being revived from death, mm-hmm. and a lot of those episodes that follow after it, especially like self-inflicted wounds, others are trying to convince her that she was worth saving and that John you know, believes in her and they try, they try to have a relationship and then you have the splitting off and she goes with the other Crichton and then they develop into a couple and she becomes, feels more whole and happier. We see that. She's smiling, yeah. like John pointed out in Meltdown. Mm, yeah, and we see like all of that. smiling. And... So that has been her arc, and this episode is just like the fallout from a death of Crichton, and it's so well done. Mm. Yeah, like we said, we have to give it five out of five, and this is one of the episodes where I was like, when Farscape is good, it's really good. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I like it also how in the commentary, Claudia Black mentions that originally when they started with the Henson Company, that people expected that it was going to be a bit goofy, a bit cheery, but they, she's like, it ended up being a very dark series. And like, well, there yeah. were cartoons in last episode. So I think, yeah. I think Farscape managed to do both. Well, they thought it was going to be like a kid's show, and it's not really. No. <laughs> oh, no. Well, why was like a bit of background from the DVD commentary that was really interesting? It was that they were not sure if they were going to get picked up after season one because it was super expensive. Mm-hmm. They went over budget. And there was a lot of basically executive meddling in season one. So they the crew didn't really know properly how to play their characters. Apparently Gigi Edgley especially had a hard time in her first episode where everybody was telling her what to how to act. Oh yeah, and like to use either her natural accent or an American accent, like different from scene to scene. And mm-hmm. it was, oh, the whole thing. And then eventually they get picked up again and then they're able to work on it themselves. And the actors actually apparently had a lot of input into that when they Mm. once they got away from the meddling like the directors like tony tills and so on were very open to that sort of thing and the line if she squeezes her eyes hard enough she could imagine that it was somebody else that's actually that's actually claudia black's line like she mentioned she was talking to the director Mm. about what that scene meant and she said that and the director was like that's actually very good please use that yeah we'll put that in the script yeah yeah that's a good line putting that in there (laughs) because it is a very claudia black herself says it's it's a pretty good line i'm like yes it is it's a pretty good line yeah You're fully in your right to take credit for that because it's a very good line. I really like that. And she also talks about the chemistry that she had with Ben Browder and how, like, when they were doing auditions, Ben Browder was like, they did an audition together, and he was like, right, there's only one person I want to work with. There's only one girl who can be Aaron, and that's Claudia Black. And then they're like, all right, let's do it. And yeah, and apparently she was still doing Pitch Black at that point. I wasn't entirely certain if she'd be able to join or not, but they managed to do it. And Ben Browder is apparently very happy that she was able to join sets. And I also like, because she recorded this at around the end of season four. Oh, yes, the commentary, yeah. 
because she, at that point they didn't know it. They weren't going to be picked up for another season. They had heard that they, season four was going to be last season. And hearing her talk about how these characters were going to get basically stuck in limbo, and I'm like, oh, that, that kind of sucks. But of course, like this was before that she knew that there was going to be the Peacekeeper Wars movie, TV movies to wrap things up. Yeah, that was before that. And she also mentions like once she she'd hoped that at some point she'd get to work with Ben Browder again because oh, yeah. they had such good chemistry. And I was sitting there like, I know at this point that you end up doing two whole seasons yes. of Stargate together. So uh-huh. that was. That was fun to have that fourth knowledge on Claudia Black at that time. Like, knowing that, yes, they would at least end up working together for two more years Mm. on a different show. So that's got, like, that DVD commentary was really great to listen to, to hear all that background stuff. It's just Claudia Black. It's great. I think it's my favorite commentary. I think I have to say, we've mentioned Claudia Black's, like, skill several times many times yes. in fact during this podcast i think from all of farscape she's like the standout actor not to say that any of these actors and actresses no, are not, not good not at but all claudia black damn one of if not the best actor on the show yeah because she's, i agree adds so much to it and they're very lucky to have her it's mm-hmm. like we said like playing things very subtly in this episode which is a huge risk because yep. you need the audience to pick up on what's going on but she carries it off wonderfully and it's really great i want to talk just before we wrap up properly because we've 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 talked a lot about this episode there's so much to unpack it's going to be a long one and i don't care yeah i'm fine with that this just means more editing for me <laughs> <laughs> but there's the theme of the episode yes which is the theme of the episode is touch and i i didn't i didn't notice it but it's so good i sort of i kind of almost did because i when i was writing my notes on the scene where she caresses the vision of Crichton on the shoulder and it Mm -hmm. cuts between i I wrote down shoulders underlined three times Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's that's clearly a very important scene and it's the touch where she touches Crichton and is he touches her and we see... And uh, her, quote-unquote, father touching her. And when Stark goes to touch, she's like, don't touch me. Yeah, and don't. Rigel touched on the shoulder by the blood-tearing yep. man. Yeah, and it's that theme of touch and connection and connecting to other people and... And in some ways letting go. The only time that Eren touches Zalax in this entire episode is when she holds her at the end. <gasps> oh, that's very good. Yeah... That's, and if you take that theme of touch and connection, the time she connects with her, really sees her, you know, as her mother is at the end when she's holding her. Mm-hmm. And God, that's perfect. <laughs> oh man, this and, is a good episode. And throughout the episode, also like Erin's clothing, what she wears, right? She's mm-hmm. wearing uh, not her like a, a military militaristic uniform throughout the episode. She's wearing a dress and tights and like robes and stuff mm-hmm. and she Bonnie black says in the commentary like she's more vulnerable more feminine than she normally is yeah and then at the end we see her back in her usual gear and she's like closed and like guarded again this is the most vulnerable i think we've ever seen erin mm-hmm. and then she like closes back up again at the end so what a what a episode this was this was yeah it's a fantastic it's incredibly episode. good yeah five out of five easily the like one of the quickest five out of five. I was like halfway through the episode. When I was watching it, I was like, okay, no, five out of five. It's like five at the end of it, it's like, well, there's no going to be no discussion about the grade on this one. We're going to be done with that. Yep, done and done. 
So, it wasn't until I realized that I was getting my hopes up for Molus last week. It's like, hang on, no, it needs to be one out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, because it's an old enemy return. No, no, no. Like I said, don't get your hopes up for Moldus. <laughs> I always will, till the last episode. <laughs> Even if he doesn't show up until Peacekeeper Wars, I will keep holding out hope for Moldus. Just a cameo in the back. I'll be okay with it. All right, so like we said, this was a great great episode of farscape and it does what farscape does best which is character Mm -hmm. it's all about character character study and it does that so well so there we go good job (laughs) like hats off to everyone involved yeah so uh let's see what's up next week which is, is a hard act to follow but uh, it's next week is episode 18, Fractures, and we do go back to Moya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moya encounters a band of former Peacekeeper prisoners, and one of them is a traitor. Talon returns, but Aaron has difficulty accepting the presence of the other Crichton. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. wondering when that was going to happen. That's going to be a scene. Oh, hi. I'm a reminder of everything you've... I'm a living, breathing reminder of everything you've lost. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that. All right, so that's next week. Looking forward to that. And as I, as we said, this episode was fantastic. And mm. on, apart from a few episodes of Bored Moya, season three has been real good. Yes. Yeah. This is easily the best episode of this uh, season. Yeah. Easily. And we hope it continues in that vein. We shall see. We're only four episodes left. We've got Fractures and then three more episodes. No, sorry, five episodes. We're only yeah. five episodes left, Fractures, and then four more after that. So we're near the end of season three here. And like I said, this is when things typically start to amp up. Yep. Or at least when the stakes start getting higher. So we'll see mm-hmm. where that goes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we talked for quite a while about this episode because there's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. All right. We'll see you next time. Uh, but before then, you know, in the meantime, you can find us around the web on Twitter at Can't Wear Hats and at Red Nightmare 7. Yep. And we also both stream on Twitch under those names. Go to cantwellhats.co.uk for all previous episodes and uh, episodes of the new podcast, Press X for Story, which we mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Well, we mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, it's up, so do check that out with me, Red, and our friend Navarin talking about Deus Ex. It's video game, narratives, all that stuff. Just give that a quick plug. I get to talk to, about sports story even more. We, yeah, if you enjoy us talking about story, then maybe you'll enjoy this podcast as well. Uh, anyway, all of that is supported by the Patreon, patreon.com slash hats. And anyway, that's enough of that blurb. We'll see you all next time. Have a great week and uh, take care and goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, Red, I've got this new recording booth for the podcast. Oh, sweet. Yeah, come on, follow me. Come on, okay, go inside. Okay. Yeah. It's a bit of a tight squeeze, but... Yeah, okay. no, it's fine. So, yeah. I mean, this is pretty good, but I wanted to make sure it was secure so nobody would bother us. So mm-hmm. uh, I put these spikes in. Oh, 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 those look, those look sharp. Yeah, I mean, they should keep everybody out, and we're nice and safe in here. Okay, um, how, how do we lower these things? Oh, I mean, the switch is on the other side of... The, oh, God damn it, hats! Oops.